0: Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Just Brian Haydad with you on a Tuesday morning. Glad to be back here in the great and sovereign state of Mississippi. I've missed you guys. Enjoyed my time up in New York City, but I'm glad to be home and glad to be back talking MSU sports here on the podcast. Thanks for joining me at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. You know, I appreciate every last one of you, especially our great servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churnin' and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with those guys. That's the way to go. You head over to Strange Brew, get your morning going, and you will be in a much better mood than you were before. Always great people, service with a smile, and one of Starkville's best local businesses. It has been for so long, uh, you just can't uh, go wrong with them. So, glad to have them on board with us, as always. And hopefully, maybe this uh, this weekend, we can all enjoy a, uh, a Victory Sunday. That would be That would be something now, wouldn't it? I want to thank College Corner. Don't forget, whatever you're looking for from Maroon and White, they've got it at College Corner. They've got you taken care of. National Championship merchandise? Well, yeah, absolutely, 100%. But at the same time, they got you taken care of with everything else. Anything you're looking for, for yourself, for your car, for your home gate, tailgate, whatever it is, Mississippi State, they've got you taken care of at College Corner. And, of course, shop online, College Corner com. Humble Taco is ready to get back to the business of Mississippi State football and having you show up to eat incredible Mexican food that you can't get anywhere else. One of the most unique menus you'll ever see anywhere you go. The food is great. The people are great. This weekend, the weather is going to be great. Grab a spot on the patio Friday night and enjoy a margarita, enjoy some chips and salsa, and enjoy Mexican food like you can't find anywhere else. It's only get there at Humble Taco. On University Drive, do we dare to dream the impossible dream? Well, one thing I always say, and you guys know this if you listen to this podcast, and you know this if you all follow me on Twitter, and you know this especially if you talk about it on, if you listen to Sports Talk Mississippi because I say it a lot there. When I get new information, I change my mind. When something I learn something different. If it changes an opinion, so be it. I will never lock into an opinion. I will never say what I thought in week one should be what I think in week five. It's just not going to be that way. And after week three, after Mississippi State loses to Memphis, if you had said Brian hey, Hayda had set the line for Mississippi State at Alabama, I would have probably started at about 29 and a half and maybe even jumped into the 30s. And now I'm going to sit here and tell you that there is a path to victory for Mississippi State against Alabama. Now, it's going to be a hard path, and it's going to involve making zero mistakes. If you've seen the movie Friday Night Lights, the show is okay, the movie is is good, the book is the best. But if they have seen the movie, there's that scene where he talks about, can you be perfect? That's what it's going to take for Mississippi State. Perfection. In all facets of the game, zero mistakes. Even look at their game against Texas A&M. They made mistakes, special teams mistakes, missed tackles. None of that can happen on Saturday night. But I'm here to tell you that if Mississippi State plays a perfect game, they could beat Alabama. And that is something I didn't think I would say as soon as, you know, even a week ago or even, you know, four days ago before Texas A&M sort of showed you that, you know, to quote, uh, what's his name in the movie? I can never remember his name, uh, uh, Apollo Creed's trainer, where he says, you see, he's just a man. You know? That's what Alabama, they got cut. Everybody thought they were Ivan Drago. Everybody thought they were this this unstoppable machine. And then Texas A&M knocked them down. And now the rest of the college football world, everybody that's left on their schedule is going to say, why not us? And if you're Mississippi State and you just went into Texas A&M and you just beat Texas A&M, and then you watch that game, you're definitely saying, "Why not us?" Now, if you go back and watch the film from a year ago, that's about as complete an ass kicking as you're ever going to see. All right, forty-one nothing. State had less than two hundred yards of offense. Uh, they couldn't stop Devonte Smith all night. Um, Alabama, you know, forty-one nothing was kind of generous. I mean, the game could have been a lot worse uh, for the Bulldogs. State couldn't do anything in that game. And honestly, you know, that was the end of the K.J. Costello era at Mississippi State, short-lived as it was. Will Rogers would would play most of that game, and then he took over as the starting quarterback the next week against Vanderbilt. So this is sort of coming full circle, right? There's some some storyline element to that of, you know, this was where he was really – I mean, imagine being thrown in that fire against the number one team in the nation in their home stadium, obviously not in front of a huge crowd because we were still doing the COVID thing then, but against that, that team in that atmosphere, in that situation, and you came out clean on the other side and you've, you've been going since then, and in that time frame since then, all you've done is pass the ball at a record pace for Mississippi State. And now you're around a team that's obviously much better than it was a year ago at this time, and much better than it was even three weeks ago at this time, and you've got the confidence and you're playing with a little swagger, and now you're going to be at home in front of a, a, what appears to be a big crowd in a night environment, I mean, this is why you sign up to play college football. This is the games that you do that for if you're Will Rogers. So if Will Rogers goes out and executes the game plan with the same amount of of confidence that he had in College Station a couple weeks ago, that's, that's first thing, right? I'd like to see him make a couple of more throws down the field, but I feel, again, with the confidence, that will come. And as long as you're moving the chains, nobody really cares. And then up front, if you remember a year ago, I mean, State couldn't block anybody in this game. This was one of the low points of the season for the offensive line in a season full of them was the way Alabama's defense just manhandled Mississippi State up front in this game. A year later, they're much better. They're much improved. Charles Cross is playing like the high first-round pick you expect a five-star player to play like. You're getting solid play out of basically every position. Now, Scott Lashley's had some ups and downs, but so has everybody else. Cross has. Dollar Bill has. uh, Cam Jones has. There's been some ups and downs. But by and large, this offensive line is 100 times better than it was a year ago. And they're going to have to be. This is a good Alabama defense. They can get pressure on the quarterback. What made them ineffective a week ago was Texas A&M and and, and Calzada. When Alabama brought pressure, he was at his best. So, well, is going to have to be at his best when they bring pressure. And Nick Saban hinted at it in today's press conference. He talked about, you know, you can't just keep showing the same look We may have to rush three, rush four, rush five. When they go to five, when they start talking about things like man coverage, that's when you've got to burn them. So Will Rogers has to be at his best, and this offensive line has to be at its best to help Mississippi State. The receivers have got to be at their best. Drop passes, they simply can't happen. I know that they will. At least one play will come where a a defensive back makes a good hit and strips the ball out and... That's fine. It happens. But if you're open and the ball hits you in the hands, hits you in the chest, it's got to come down with you. Even one of those kind of plays will be enough to undo everything. That's how precarious this is for Mississippi State. When I talk about perfect, I'm not really leaving a lot of wiggle room here. I'm not saying that every play has to be a touchdown. I'm not saying every play has to be a first down. But you have to stay on schedule. Second and ten is no good. Third and eight is no good. And plays losing yardage, no good. Have to stay on schedule, have to stay moving forward at all times. But if you can do that, then there's a path to victory for Mississippi State. Defensively, I think it's just sort of you know do what you've been doing. You've got to be a little bit better on those missed tackles that you weren't against Texas A&M. Can't have the coverage busts that you had against LSU. Can't allow the big plays as much as you've been allowing. You're going to give up some big plays. This is Alabama. They're going to get one over the top to Williamson or to uh I'm sorry, to Williams or to, to Mechie. They're, Brian Robinson was going to break a long run. It's going to happen. How many can you give up? Two, maybe three, four, and, and we're talking about problems. You know, I always remember, and I think I brought this up a few weeks ago, the 2015 game here at Starkville, where State defensively was really good except for four plays, and those four plays were all 50-yard-plus plays. And that was enough to break State's back. Now, State was terrible offensively in that game, and it didn't help. Alabama, you know, Bryce Young has shown that he's a talented player, good player, going to be a superstar in this Alabama offense in the years to come. But if you can pressure him, he's still, he's still you know, a young guy. He's made fewer starts than Will Rogers has. If you pressure him, he'll make, he'll make bad decisions, like any other quarterback. Again, he's, he's not a machine. He's a man. So State needs to bring the pressure. And I, I was asked about this on Sports Talk, and I was like, well, I mean, Zach Arnett's still the defensive coordinator, right? So State will bring the pressure. State needs Aaron Brule to step up in this game. Aaron Brule this year has not been up to the kind of standard I think he would would tell you that he set for himself. So you need him to step up. Wheat has been good this year. Watson, good. Jet Johnson has been a great revelation and a great player for MSU this year. Aaron Brule needs to join the party. And then Emerson and Forbes need to show why I, I said in the preseason that's the best cornerback duo in the SEC. I still believe that. They've got to do it. They've got to be able to lock up those Alabama receivers and let everything else sort of control itself. I feel like if Emerson and Forbes do their job, then everything else will take care of itself as far as pass defense goes. But I think State will be able to get some pressure and go from there. And then there's special teams. All indications, I, I, I would think Brandon Ruiz is supposed to be back this week. That in and of itself solves a lot of your problems. But you can't be sloppy and you can't make mistakes on special teams. You just can't. They've got, believe it or not, Alabama has outstanding athletes in the return game, and they will turn, you know, kicks into touchdowns. Can't allow it to happen. Can't allow it to happen. So that's a lot that has to go right for Mississippi State, and there's not a lot of room for error for it to go wrong for Mississippi State. But the thing is, we knew that coming coming into this. And we knew that even before Texas A&M beat Alabama. We knew that for state to have any chance at a win it was going to require a level of effort and execution that is hard to attain. But I would say this that and and I don't want to play the moral victory game. You know, obviously I think it would be for Mississippi State if they were to lose this game by 14 points. When you think about it, they lost 41 nothing a year ago. I mean that's a big turnaround. Yeah, maybe it's it's tough to turn around a forty-one point loss on somebody in one year. You know, I what the, I think about what the 08 to O nine in the Egg Bowl. I mean, that's the kind of turnaround we're talking about here. And Alabama doesn't have the weaknesses that that Ole Miss team did, and state and state doesn't have the same weaknesses that it had from O eight and strengthened in O nine. So we all knew that it was going to require this kind of effort. We all knew it was going to require this kind of execution level. So it's just a question of, can State do it? What's the, you know, what's the grade that State can't, can't help to win? B-plus? B B-plus, I think, could win if you're forcing Alabama into some mistakes. You know, But you have to be ahead of them. B-plus from both teams, Alabama wins pretty comfortably. A-plus from both teams, Alabama wins pretty comfortably you got to play an A game and get them into a C game. Now we're talking about an area where Mississippi State could win. A game where you execute, you don't make the mistakes, you don't commit silly penalties, your offense stays on schedule, defensively you get home on your blitzes, you force a turnover or two, and on the other side of the ball, they're just not executing for whatever reason. Sort of the same way they did in last week. It feels difficult to put it in your head that a Nick Saban coach team could have two back-to-back bad games. And as we've seen, if you, if you looked, I mean, Alabama after a loss, there's not a lot of losses in the Nick Saban era. You know, how many times have they lost back-to-back games? Like, maybe twice? His first year, I think they lost, what, three in a row towards the end? when they lost LSU and then State and then ULM. I remember, I guess, his second year, they lost the SEC championship game and then they lost their bowl game to Utah. It happened again in a bowl game, I think maybe, was it 2013? Where they, they lost the Iron Bowl and then lost to uh, Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. But not a lot of back-to-back losses in the Nick Saban era. They're Not a lot of losses, period. I was interested in his comments about it, by the way, about being, the A&M game being a trap game. That means his team was looking ahead to Mississippi State? I don't know quite what to make of that, that statement. I think, that's just a, I think it's just a, a verbal faux pas. I think he just messed up there. But I don't know. I don't know. That's an interesting statement for me. So can State be perfect? It's going to be very tough. It's going to be very tough. I'm interested to see this game. A couple weeks ago, I wasn't. Yeah, you know, Even last week on the show, or, or I guess two weeks ago now, what did I say? I was like, you know, it's all about getting through this game, staying healthy, and then the rest of the way, You got winnable games. I'm not saying this is a winnable game, all right? You're a big underdog, and you should be. This is a much better football team. Alabama's a much better football team than Mississippi State. They have guys on their bench who won't play in this game, who could start for Mississippi State. There's just no question about that. They are the more talented football team. Honestly, they're the better coached football team. They have every advantage. But they were the more talented football team last weekend. And they were the better coached football team last weekend. And they had every advantage over Texas A&M last weekend. And they still lost. This goes to show that, you know, if they lose their way, you can get them. But you got to play at the absolute top level if you're Mississippi State. Even A&M, from a talent perspective, it's not that big a gap between them and Alabama. A&M is a top ten perennial recruiting team. Much different in Mississippi State, which is in the twenty five to thirty range every year. There is a gap. It's a noticeable gap. How many guys for state would start for Alabama? Even if you say Charles Cross, I mean Alabama's got a first round left tackle too. And Evan Neal. So who is it, you know? Forbes and Emerson, maybe. But Job is an outstanding cornerback, so maybe only one of them would start. And that's what we're looking at here. Whereas with Alabama, how many of their guys would start for Mississippi State? Basically all of them. But that's been the case before, right? That's been the case of previous Alabama teams that have come to Starkville and and found their way home with a loss. And it it was the case in basically any time Alabama has lost under Nick Saban, they have lost as the more talented team. So that won't be new. I think State has a puncher's chance. It's it's a puncher's chance at best. It's going to require a lot of effort. It's going to require playing the best football game we've seen Mississippi State play under Mike Leach and maybe the best game they've seen them play, period, in I don't know how long. I think back to that 2017 game. State played really, really well for three quarters. And then it just they just, the damn broke on them. And they just ran out of gas. And Alabama finally leaned on them to enough. And I, I look, I know what happened with Calvin Ridley. I know. He was out of bounds. I know that. But at the end of the day, State just didn't have enough gas in the tank to finish the game. The only way to beat Alabama, in my opinion, is sort of do what Texas A&M did, you got to get out early on them and make them try to come back. I don't think you can go punch for punch. I, if you tell me this game's 28-28 going into the fourth quarter, which would be an incredible result for State at that point, but I would tell you it probably would finish something like 45-28. You got to be, you know, going to the fourth quarter and it's 31-17 somehow, and you're and you're shaking your head. You're thinking, oh, "That's that's a tough score." Yeah, yeah, it is. That's what we're talking about, though. the The path to victory exists for Mississippi State. Might be the most important thing because I didn't. It didn't exist when I last did a podcast here. I would not have said there was any way on earth State could beat Alabama. Barring a, a collapse of incredible proportions, but now I can just tell you that state plays its best absolute best possible game and forces some Alabama mistakes. They can win. They can win. So we'll see. All right, let's move on into the SEC picks. That's brought to you our good friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council, our newest sponsor here on Thunder and Lightning. I love beef. You guys know me. I had a steak in New York City with our friend Brandon Walker. That did the cow proud. Let me, uh, let me assure you. And, man, anytime you're eating beef here in the great state of Mississippi, you're talking about a local industry. There are 15,000 producers here in our state. The total value of cattle production in this state is almost a half billion dollar industry. So when you eat Mississippi beef, you are helping Mississippians. And there's all sorts of choices out there, man. Every taste, every schedule, every budget. Whether you're looking to put a brisket on the smoker and go with that thing for 20 hours, or if you just want to cook up some hamburgers for your family on a busy weeknight, they've got you covered here with the Mississippi Beef Council. And it's good for you. Three ounces of cooked beef, that's roughly a half of your daily value of protein. So if you get the chance Make the choice beef. And visit msbeef.org for a lot of great recipe ideas, especially this time of year as the weather's starting to get colder. Beef stew, chili, soups, all sorts of long cook ideas. That's the the place to go, msbeef.org. Mississippi Beef Council. Beef is what's for dinner. All right, so I've got the picks here from Robbie Falk. I had him text me. He is still in Pittsburgh. What? First off, let's let's talk about my my friend Robbie Falk, and I hope I'm gonna try not to get too emotional here because I'm thinking about my own dad, and I would have, how much I would have loved to have been able to go to a Saints game with him as an adult. I never got that chance, you know. Um, so that is a precious, precious gift that Robbie was able to have uh, this week to go to the Steelers game with his father and watch their favorite team together, and they won. And I'm not a Steelers fan, you know. As you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about them one way or the other. But I was pulling for the Steelers on Sunday. I was glad to see them that they got the win. So, Big Daddy, if you're listening, what a great gift you were able to have with your son. Uh, He's a good kid, and I I know you're uh, you're very happy to have done that. All right, let's look at these games. So I've got Robbie's picks right here. And I think there's only going to be one that we're going to, that we might disagree on. We'll get to it though at the end. I, we're both going to take Arkansas to beat Auburn. I thought about this game a little bit, but Auburn's just not very good. And Bo, Bo Nix, where do you get the balls? Bo Nix complaining that they didn't get calls, that they didn't officiate anything other way. This is Auburn. Are you for real? <laughs> I I might slap you if I ever see you, Bo Nix. Yeah, we'll take the hogs there. LSU. Woo, buddy. You can be, you best believe they wouldn't have gotten any coffee if we had done that segment uh, yesterday. That's over. Ed Orgeron is done. Uh it's all it's just you know, win. It's just do they wait till the end of the season or they, they can in midway through? Um, we'll both take Florida to win there. Both gonna take the Aggies, although that's an interesting game on the road. If Missouri was any better, I would say uh, they're due for a letdown. But I just can't see Missouri getting the job done. So we'll both take the Aggies to win that. We'll both take Georgia over Kentucky. Kentucky's a good story. And honestly, when you look at their schedule, this might be the only game they lose all year. I don't think they're talented enough to go 11-1. and I feel like they'll lose at least one. But holy crap, man, they... They have a fantastic chance to be 10-2 at worst. Honestly, their, their best chance to lose is the game after this. They have a bye, and then they come to Starkville, where they haven't won since 2008. If they beat Mississippi State, I mean, then it's Tennessee at home, at Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and at Louisville. They're going 11-1. They're going to, like, the Sugar Bowl, the Peach Bowl or something. Good team out there, in Kentucky. I was wrong about them. Uh, we'll both take South Carolina. To beat Vanderbilt, probably the last time we'll be taking South Carolina this year. And then there's the one that we're not sure about. So he originally wanted to take Ole Miss against Tennessee, but then he, he sent me a text. He said, I, I want to redo that. I, I want to pick Tennessee. So he's going to take Tennessee. So now, let's point out, he did make up a game on me last week. I'm now only one game up uh, because he took Ole Miss to beat uh, Arkansas. I was so close, guys. So close to making what – a, what a glorious thing. It would be over if, I had, if that game had gone my way. Three games up with, with five weeks to go, I would have just chalked him to death. So do I want to try here and go with the Rebels and, and see if I can't get my two-game lead back, or do I, do, I go with, do, I, do I just try to stay on top? Because this game is iffy. It's iffy. You know, I, don't feel, I don't really feel like I have a strong feeling one way or the other on it. My, my, my gut said, my hunch is to just pick Tennessee with him and just sort of live to fight another day until there's, maybe there's a game I feel a little bit stronger about. If he was here, he'd be whining and crying right now. Oh, can't believe you're going to do that. But he's not here, so I can just do what I want. What to do. But I, I think Ole Miss could win. I think Ole Miss is a little bit better than Tennessee. Especially off but offensively, Tennessee's been really good these past couple weeks. And Ole Miss, I think we learned that defense isn't a lick better this year than it was last year. They're poor. Give up almost seven hundred yards to Arkansas. Make KJ Jefferson look like Warren Moon. Yeah, I don't feel good enough about this game to go against it. I'm gonna pick Tennessee. So we'll just we'll have to stay same another week. I just, I just don't feel it. What's, what's next week's game? Is there, are there games next week where we could disagree? Only five games next week. Uh no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll be leading. When's the next, when's the next game where I could, we could possibly go against each other? Week nine, Ole Miss Auburn might be the one that, that, that I go with. I don't know though. We'll see. This week though, there'll be no change at the, at the leaderboard. I'll still be a game up when it's all done. All right, guys. Uh, tomorrow's show is the rumblings. Let me, uh, let me. Send, I guess I'll need to send out a uh, tweet since Robbie's uh, still up there in Pittsburgh. Get your questions in, and Robbie and I will get those uh, answered for you. And then I got some good stuff lined up for you this week uh, as far as uh, interviews. And we will, uh, we will have. A, I think we're gonna have a really good, uh, good week here on Thunder and Lightning, guys. Glad to be back with you. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Back with you again tomorrow with Robbie for your rumblings questions. Uh, This has been Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.